Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? I think they will get one of those Champions League places. Should be an absolutely phenomenal achievement for Eddie Howe and his players. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Keith Wood is with us. Keith, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, very good, sir. How are you? I'm very well. You've, you've dressed up for us. Thanks very much. I well, look. I thought you deserved it this morning. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I kind of don't want to talk about this, but I kind of do. the The backlash against Leinster is is interesting, and it's uh, gathering pace. We had Wigglesworth at the weekend um, talking about the money. The money is the thing here. It's like, okay, you've, you know, who did you play for before? Were you? Anyway, and then. Um, it's the home semi-final yesterday Brian Moore is saying there should be no home semi-finals and finals. I kind of agree a little bit but like the horse bolted on that everybody knows where the, the competition is going to be so is, is there anything in this that we as a, a, a rugby country need to be aware of that actually you know when everybody's coming at you sometimes you do need to listen to what they're saying to see if there's a credible argument being made that actually this is unsustainable or we're doing something wrong what's your instinct? Uh, my instinct on this is Leinster haven't won the Heineken Cup for a few years. And if they were winning it uh, year in, year out, um, some of these arguments might be able to stand up. But they're in a rich vein of form. Um, I thought Brian Moore's article was quite whining yesterday. Um, I like a lot of his stuff, actually. Um, and I like Brian. And um, there is an advantage of playing at home all the time. Um, but a lot of that stems from the fact that Leinster have had uh, an incredibly high level of performance since the start of the season and the look at the draw in terms of the final being in the Aviva. You know, that's that's not down to Leinster and that just happens to be this circumstance. So next year, it won't be that way, whatever whatever way it works. So they could have a lot of home games up until that point. Um, on the financial side of it, I think they are in a very good position. They have plenty of backing, they have huge crowds and that's the nature of it, you know. And look, I, I keep going back every now and then. I thought the the European competition was heavily weighted towards Ireland. Um, and I thought that the uh, the manner in which um, the French and the English teams try to manoeuvre the, the tournament, there made some bit of sense for that to happen. But I think they made an absolute balls of it. And as we've seen, because it changes every couple of years, um, they're going to change it back next year. And I don't know whether that's exactly right either. But it, it just feels everybody complains if they don't win all the time. And that's just what it seems like. For the last few weeks, that has seen, for me, poor show. Dan McFarlane talking about demographics was also interesting. It's like, it's true that uh, Leinster houses Dublin, which is the capital city and has the biggest population. But the population of County Antrim and County Down combined is like 1.3 million. And also, like... Ulster Rugby has a long and storied tradition of um, producing players and has access to capital if they want it. So just felt one of the things Gordon Darcy says today is that it gives everybody who's playing for those teams just a little bit of wiggle room. You know, not actually our fault. It's this the, the everybody knows the dice is loaded, everybody knows the game is rigged. It's like that's yeah. not it's not true. Everybody knows Leonard Cohn. Um the I don't know whether it gives them regular room. It gives them an excuse, almost. Not an excuse, that's that's harsh. I think Ulster struggled this year against Leinster. Most teams have struggled against Leinster. And without Leinster, um, um, 
you know, I think Ulster could could have won an awful lot more, and it's it's gone against them for the last few years. But we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's it goes in cycles, and um, what I would say, and what I would be um, not envious of, but I'd be you know really interested and have been interested in watching, is that Leinster haven't taken anything for granted in that period of time, and they're consistently looking at. Uh, coaching being the biggest driver of of, uh, of of their performance. So they're consistently looking for different types of coaches, um, different thinking in coaches. Uh, so when somebody goes and leaves, they tend to bring somebody who who isn't trying to replicate the same, but is trying to maybe drive it in a very slightly different direction. And that's the bit that's been most impressive from Leinster is that they are they're playing a more, um, call it a more rounded game, but a, 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 a more innovative game. There's something different happens all the time. Even if you go back to the start of this season when the change in the laws for holding the ball up came on, they suddenly started having tap and go again. You know, there's always the things that have happened. I always say, it's, it's, again, it cycles. These things happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, but they're novel and they haven't been used for 20 years. So it looks like they keep looking to the past, how to do things differently. They keep bringing different coaches in who are looking to think differently. I think that's impressive. And you can complain and bemoan that all you like, or you can get on with doing the job. The problem is it takes a period of time for that job to to change and, and to, to bear proper fruit. And... Like I actually think Ulster were really, really close earlier on in the in the season, and I think they got a huge knockback. And um, but I still think that they have the makings of a very good team. Uh, the other teams are maybe further back. This narrative around around Leinster, Keith, is that this just a narrative that that crops up as you say in cycles in in sport every now and again? Like what Wigglesworth and McFarland and Murr and these lads are saying. You know, when you think of the Kerry team in the 80s or the Limerick Hurling team at the moment or even your great Munster team, is this just a narrative that crops up that teams look for, I guess, not excuses, but ways in which they can rationalise a team's success? Well, I think that's it's funny. It's interesting watching the golf at the weekend and watching Brooks Kepka and coming back and watching that Netflix period. And everybody talks about money, you know, and in golf, the, the amount of money is crazy. Um but all he wants is to win. So it's the winning is the thing that drives everybody and um, to the exclusion of all else for, for an awful lot. And it's, it's interesting if you just can't seem to get yourself in that position. But like I look at, I do look at Leinster at the moment, but I also look at some of the other teams that are left in the Heineken Cup competition. Um, they're extraordinary. So we've got to the point of where the best teams um, are, are in the are in the last are in, in, the, in the last four, you know. And um, to say that it's a preordained that Leinster will definitely win is wrong. You know, they will have to play at their absolute best. Though, as it turns out, it's they're they have the benefit of playing at home uh, for the next two matches if they get to both of them. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Toulouse obviously have long prided themselves on bringing the best local and uh, young players through and bedding them into the team. Obviously, they've supplemented that with world-class stars from around. But uh, the, the homegrown nature of, of Leinster's players is something that um, I think 
sometimes we take a little bit for granted because the school system has so much money slushing around to get those players from the school system where um, there's, there's less and again Darcy's talking about this today less impetus on the um, set piece than there is when you get to the professional game we know in other sports how difficult it is for you know uh, what are supposedly world class talented under 17 under 19 and under 21 to make it to the senior professional game all sorts of reasons players drop out uh, the, the coaching of the the senior team at Leinster, a lot of the credit has gone to Lancaster for that. But if you look at the other coaches over the years who've been part of that, every time somebody leaves, like Felipe Contepomi has left, and they've managed to replace it with somebody who they think is going to be um, even better or add something else to the setup. I do think sometimes we just take Leo Cullen for granted that, like, yeah, oh, he's got a really straightforward, easy job. But it's the opposite of that. And the whole thing about it, it's like, oh, it's basically Ireland in blue. Well, Ireland is basically Leinster in green. And that's the the way that if I was, you know, to step back from this, you've got to give Leo Cullen the credit for a lot of that, surely. Um, 100%. Um, I think he never gets uh, the credit for it. And uh, I think one of the lines I used last week in about Monster was who holds the keys um, to the team. And if you look at Leinster, you can say for, I don't know how many years it is now, but Leo Cullen has held the keys. And that's the long-term view that is consistently required. So you can have other coaches in doing a huge amount of the work, but you also need to have somebody at the helm. And he is at the helm and has been consistently. And he's also managed to do it um by being very confident in arguing the case when any of those comments come up. and um, But he's also been really, really confident in his own position to be able to shine the light on the qualities of the coaches and players around him. And um, he he is at the helm, but it's not about him. And that's been... Um, I, I, look, I think he's managed to do that really, really lightly. And uh, and I think it's incredibly reassuring to players and fans alike. That gap, uh, Keith, between Leinster and, and the other provinces, like, do you feel like that's closing? It's not closing on the pitch, based, based on what, we, what we've seen this season, but anecdotally, even off the pitch, in terms of resources and infrastructure, is it is it getting a bit, little bit narrower? Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. The resources bit is is a little bit different. Um, uh, it's it's exactly how. You know how much money you've at your disposal is is an, is a conversation piece. Of course it is, um, but for me, it's how those resources are used and they're used over a period of time, and that's the piece for me that uh, that marks out as being different from Leinster from the others. So you have a lot of young players coming through the system from a very competitive schools system, and I know that they've uh, the Leinster. Um, Rugby have tried really hard to get far more through from um, from the country uh, counties and uh, and um, outside of the, the the private school system, and they're being successful in doing so. So they're able to invest along those lines as well, and that gives them a, a sort of an additional fillip, and will do down the line. Uh, but for me, it's it's how they seem to get those players playing on the right level and maximising them you know, consistently over a period of time. And like the one thing that sticks out for me for the, the, the teams that they're sending down to South Africa this weekend is 
they've Sam Prendergast. They're having you know come back from the from the twenties, having shown um, an ability which is in twenties an entirely different type of rugby, and it's very fast, very quick, far more I won't say risk oriented, but um, there's mistakes going to be made. A lot more mistakes are going to be made in that than are going to be made uh, further up the line. Um, but it shows the the possibility of some of the players. There was a guy who didn't look under any pressure in any way, shape, or form. And so at the first available opportunity, I know Leinster have the benefit of not uh, having to win any more games in the URC, and they can send out all the uh, the other players to it. But it's an opportunity for a guy to to suddenly see what's happening for him and to see how he fits into the the, the style of playing against huge teams. It's They take the opportunity really well and they take it very early. And I think they take it earlier than the, than well, the Munster definitely, not quite so much as Ulster. I think Ulster put their players in quite quite early as well. Um, is that a cultural thing? And, and does that culture need to shift? I, I suppose to, to peel it back one layer, it does feel as if Munster have begun over the last couple of years to get the right people in the right places. They've got... Um, you know, they, they seem to have got the academy situation sorted in a way that makes sense and that does have some long-term thinking about it um, just in, in in going and getting somebody who is familiar with their system back in to be in charge of the academy um, and who it's is... Funny. You can, you're, you're looking at, at different teams doing things in a different way. So you, if you look at Connacht and you look at how they deal with their under-17s or under-18s, um, once they bring their group of, of players together. They tend to hold them together and they train together as much as they possibly can because um, there isn't a huge number of clubs up in, in Connacht. And it's, it just means if you can tidy them all in together, you can maximise the skill component. When you look at Leinster, the reason Leinster are able to pick players that are coming out of schools pretty quickly is because they tend to have been in a, a far more professional environment at schools level. So they're probably ready earlier Um so the requirement then is on the provinces to try and do something different that's unique for that province, for their own province. It isn't about emulating what happens elsewhere, but try and see what they can do to maximise the skill, the talent, the training of the players that they have. They are the the structures that are beginning to change. Um, you know, there are... There are a lot of young coaches now in in Munster, not in in, in the in the first year. Yes, they are with Prendergast coming back and 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 Leamy. But on the layer below that, on the level below that, there's a lot of young coaches, past players, a mixture of of, of coaches and players that are uh, have the energy to be able to go and sort of uh, engender that. Uh, maybe that change within within those young guys that are coming through. So I, I do think it's happening. It just it's hard when it's happening in the full light of your neighbour who seems to have everything um, just right for them. But it takes a period. It just takes a period of time. So for for me, I've I like I looked at this season again from a monster perspective. I looked at this season and said, well, whatever monster get to do, it's the start of a proper change. And what they need is a sense of consistency for four or five or six years. Um, now, I'm not talking about consistency, not, you know, not winning well, but consistency where there are long-term strategic 
bands that have been brought in to improve the rugby over that period of time and improve the team. That's incredibly hard in the white hot of competition where if like if they lose the next two matches, they may not be in the URC or they may not be in the ERC next year. And that's that's very tough. And um it's they're under pressure all the time. So uh you can understand that level of pressure and stress that's on them, but the long term view is still it's still something that has to be revolved or sorry, resolved and can't be um um, shooting from the hip, just changing at uh, at will. You know, you have to have something that is consistent for that period of time. And I think more changes still need to be made. Well, obviously, Keith, usually looking forward to those two semi-finals, like Leinster, Toulouse, and, and La Rochelle, Exeter, both should be cracking games. Having said that, the tournament as a whole, the Champions Cup. I mean, someone made the point in the show yesterday about the the All Ireland football series. You know, if there were four one-sided quarterfinals, like we had it essentially in the Champions Cup people will be questioning the tournament as a whole. So is is that a concern that we have to wait until the, the last four to, to really get the matchups we want? Yeah, I think there have been great matchups during it, but I think they've been few and far between. And I just think the structure that was that was in, in place this year was you didn't have to play particularly well to qualify. Everybody seemed to qualify. And then suddenly the realisation is that all the home teams win in the round of 16 yeah. and the round of 8. So actually if that realisation doesn't hit home for next year that you do have to make certain that you do as well in the pool games as you possibly can um, for me I still look at this season and think it is far too congested and there are too many too many matches too much travelling um, um, trying to trying to understand the finances almost of how to make this, this sport work it does not happen by filling every weekend of the year from mid-August to to June or July, it just it just doesn't. You know, there's it's pretty relentless, and we say that all the time. And but the way of of getting more money is to play another match or have another competition or have two or three other rounds into it. And for me, that becomes unsustainable because the size of the squads have become too big to yeah. cater for that. So that's not viable. So I still think the game is in a in a you know tightrope um, situation. Where um, where it's incredibly difficult for um, for teams to be able to have that um, that amount of players playing, um, and I think it's it's becoming very very tough. But so you want the best at the end of the season, you want players absolutely vying to play at the best they possibly can, and um, like you are looking at a team like like Leinster saying that they're putting out a, a second or third team and keeping their team at home for two weeks if they're going down to South Africa for two weeks before semi-finals and uh, maybe quarter-finals or yeah it's kind of crazy really you know so yeah. you know I don't know I, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a little bit bemused by um, by the way the game has gone actually since COVID Alright well look we might get into that in a bit more detail uh, as the, the season wraps up but for now we've got to leave it there Keith good stuff thanks a million Cheers gents OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.